I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. The world seems to be burning, at least from the perspective of our friends in Australia. The world seems to be sick as the coronavirus makes its way through China, now to the US, the UK, and other parts of the world. Do we need to panic now? Are we living in the end times? Are we living in a period of transition? I think we need to take some time to reflect on those things and the way they're being presented to us that should cause us to take pause and look at things. This will not be a fear porn show, but it is some topics I do want to address for my fellow truth seekers out there. First and foremost, to our friends in Australia, this is a long overdue statement, but my heart goes out to to all of you what's happening there. The magnitude of of the fires and the loss is is just tragic and i'm i'm worried about the impact that will have beyond just the fires and the burning once the burning stops what will that mean for the growing season and i don't know maybe that's a healthy that's a maybe that's a healthy rebirth there that's my hope is that as all that stuff has burned from the ashes shall, shall emerge new life I know so many st- uh, species and animals have died off, but I did see um, some images of trees that had survived the fire and through the ashes was already new buds coming up. And I hope that's ominous of the future of Australia. So my thoughts are with all of my friends out there. Um, if you live in Australia, I've noticed I have some listeners out there. Thank you very much. Uh, if you're living there, know that we are we are thinking about you we're we're sending our positive thoughts and feelings and prayers for those that pray and i'd like us to take a moment as we've talked about with our formula with meditation and intention in not praying for things to get better in australia but i'd like us to take a moment now and then on your own to picture australia thriving 
every time you listen to this show, just close your eyes, take a deep breath, and I want you to picture the outback in all its beauty. Picture the growth, picture the animals, the koalas, picture the koalas and in their natural habitat and the bamboo that they need to survive, and picture large uh, families of kangaroos hopping and thriving and the insect life returning and an abundance of growth. I'm picturing the news headline, Miracle Drastic Recovery to Outback Faster Than Expected. That's what we need to hold in our hearts during our meditation as we send that to our friends down under in Australia. Remember that. Because when we sit there and say, this is horrible, and I hope it gets better, what we're reinforcing to the universe is that it's presently not better. So the message we need to send through our meditations, our thoughts, our intentions, our prayers, are the feelings that we experience when we realize that it's better. We need to put ourselves there now. So I'm sending that out to, to the world, to the universe, to our friends in Australia. I want to speak a little bit later, moving on, about the coronavirus. Is it scary? Do we need to be afraid? I have, uh, I'll do a little review of some of Edward Reardon's stuff. He had a prediction back in 2017 that he's uh, now doing a follow-up saying he thinks his ominous feeling in 2017 is tied to this. It's right around the time when I connected with Edward. I'll talk a little bit about that and I'll uh, I'll share the links to his his uh, speak, speaking on that. And uh, I have some news that I want to talk about. Talk a little bit about remote viewing as well. I'll start with that right there. Uh, I've been doing my training. Actually, I just completed a really big, what we call a woo-woo target um, with the crypto viewing team. I just got the reveal as to what it was. As I'm working this target, I'm going, oh my gosh, this stuff is weird. It's all over the place. Some some weird stuff. Um, Just got the reveal and it's it's a heavy target. It, It ties into our ancient past which impacts our future greatly, uh, even today, right now, as we speak. So I look forward to being able to talk a little bit about that on the air to give some teasers to all of you as we put the pieces together. We haven't gotten the full debrief yet. We were just kind of had a target reveal the other night. So more to come on that. If, you haven't do- if you're not doing it already, follow Crypto Viewing. Check us out, what we're doing there. Good work there. Okay. Uh, I was doing some remote viewing practice uh, just yesterday, actually. And there was a lot wrong with the way this target was done. Um, Number one, halfway through the session, I started writing the target coordinates down incorrectly. So the coordinates I wrote down, uh, they don't exist in relationship to the projects that I'm working on. I don't know if that would have made a difference because my focus and intent and understanding was that it's still on the same target. I just wrote the last four numbers down wrong um, about halfway through the session. I see mistakes that I made now in looking at the feedback where I got an idea in my head and then I think my conscious mind started creating this scene. But then I started getting this data that I think is separate from my imagination and I started drawing something that definitely fits a description of the image that I was shown, the feedback that I got on the target. And I'll explain that what that looks like in a minute. Um, but more accurately... It fits identical to a movie I watched last night, a scene in a movie I watched last night. And I think this is my imagination trying to make something out of it that it might not be. But here, I'm going to share it with all of you and get your thoughts. And I'm going to pass this on to my teacher and see what he thinks. Um, 
I've done this in the past when I one of my early targets um, I drew a face and I described it as having to do with the Vatican I, I don't remember the specifics of it had absolutely nothing to do with the target that I was working but then the very next day right on my newsfeed appears the exact face that I drew as a representative of the Vatican talking about something I spoke with Dick Allgaier about it and he said what he was taught was that you know, you definitely tapped into the remote viewing stream, but your focus was off. You were not on the target. You saw a future event, um, but you weren't on target. And that was the end of it. Uh, and it makes sense what he was saying. And I, I trust and respect his interpretation of that. Um, so yesterday, I think I had a similar thing happen. Now, uh, of this target that I drew, it's, it's a library out in California. Um, and in front of the library, there's a little wall um, and it has... Uh, like not grass what's the, like like um ground covering green ground covering that spills over the wall and you know it almost looks like water but it's it's a uh, green ground covering that comes over it so i drew that little ledge in front of the building it wasn't the most important aspect of the target but it was a it was a significant one but i didn't draw i didn't hit on the library itself so i was kind of beating myself up about that but there's elements of the target there clearly i drew the wall and i drew the something coming over the wall and uh but then on my next one which i felt that i had really good to contact with i drew like four pipes running along the ground like if you picture a wall more of a ledge so you have a vertical lot wall going up and then it extends to the next layer of ground going straight back if you can picture that so or if you picture a waterfall you have the water flowing through the river and then it drops over the edge so picture the river portion there I drew four pipes in the river portion, and then I had it come over the edge, and then the pipes made a 90-degree angle, and then the pipes went down the face of the waterfall, if it, in fact, was a waterfall. And I did an AOL of Niagara Falls. AOL is an analytical overlay. So I'm looking at this going, okay, I definitely see these four pipes, and I see this ledge, this drop-off, and it coming down. And when I looked at the target, well, nope, there's none of these pipes, there's no tubes, there's nothing that looks like these things running along that I must be off. Now, in part of it, I described it as being shallow, and that is an accurate description of the library. But other parts of this, I was I was describing this waterfall scene. I wrote down a dam, um, and I, I drew these pipes. When I looked at the feedback, nope, I'm way off. I don't know where I got this information from. Fast forward about six hours later, and I'm watching the new Terminator movie, the one that was just released in 2019. And in towards the end of the movie, they are in front of a giant dam with a waterfall, and it's got these four pipes that are running through it, just like I drew. Has nothing to do with the target that I was working in remote viewing, but I took pause and go, wow, I saw this and I drew this earlier today. Then my imagination starts running and going, well, is this significant? Does this mean anything? Is there something that's trying to draw my attention to this scene? And it just happened to catch me when I was in a, a different state of consciousness during my remote viewing session. And it came through as noise because I'm still not a very strong remote viewer. Well, what message would it get? Well, two things stuck out. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to talk about a couple, two elements of it. So take a minute if you need to pause the show or whatever. But um, at one point, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's in the movie. And here's what I thought was interesting about it is he was a Terminator. And it talked about multiple timelines. And his timeline got erased. So he had no purpose. 
So then he talks about how he aspired to become more human, and he had a change of heart. No longer wanted to act as a killing machine, and became a protective machine of a family that he adopted. And I thought, the initial thought I had was, that's the reason for this movie. That is the reason this movie was created. That's the reason the idea was seeded into George, uh, who is it, Cameron's mind. Um, because of that message. That machines can change. Machines can be good. And I know I wrestled with that possibility last week when I talked about, what if we are the machines? And what if we're from the future? You know, what if we're connected to this machine mind in the future and it's influencing us now into our evolution? So, I don't know, that really resonated with me the ability for machines to change and the ability that, and the also the fact that or the possibility that the future is having an impact on the past the future is coming back to alter the timeline of the future or protect the timeline of the future by messing with what we call the present but from their perspective would be the past now that ties into last week's show ties into obviously remote viewing stuff that we do here it ties into the ufo phenomenon possibly and something I forgot to comment on, uh, let me see, am I want to go to that part yet? Um, anyway, my question is, was there a reason for me drawing that scene, which was, there was no message in that scene, whatever. You know, and I'm the guy that, I, I mean, a lot of my understanding comes from works of fiction like that, because it gives me the ground base to process information when I look at movies like The Matrix and like the Terminator series. I think that there is uh, valuable thought threads contained in those films that help us process information that we see today so i'd love to hear your thoughts you know if you have experience with remote viewing even if you don't what do you think um am i reading too much into this piece that that was connected to that movie maybe i am maybe i'm not i'm not sure i'll, I'll pass this on to my remote viewing buddies too and see what they think but I, I I think the answer I'm going to get is, you know, you happen to catch something, but no, you're, you're thinking too much about this, you're overthinking it, and that's probably true. But when you're not used to dealing with psychic data like this, any data you get is exciting, and it's meaningful, but it doesn't mean that meaning always has the value we want to place on it. And I want to be clear about that. Now that I'm able to do this somewhat, it doesn't always, the information we get doesn't always have value, but then we have to ask ourselves, is there a reason for this? Is there a reason that we have an ability to access information from the future? And I want to talk about that with Edward Reardon's stuff. I'll get to that in a little bit with his uh, ominous feeling and his update video that he shared. Because I think that's important to understand. Why do we get this information? Are we able to act on it? Does it have value to us right now? Besides the interesting factor there. So, all right. Let me let me do some, uh, some news here. All right, here we go. Speaking of future stuff, this comes from thenextweb.com. Scientists say aliens in UFOs might be earthlings from the future and they're referencing the nimitz ufo video the one that we've been talking about for a while now since the end of 2017. michael masters a professor of biological anthropology at montana technical university thinks that could be because ufos are piloted by humans from the future not aliens from another planet 
countless people, the existence of UFOs is undeniable. Many experts, including those who've analyzed recently released footage from the U.S. Navy, are convinced that at least some reports of flying objects of unknown origin throughout history are true. A not insignificant number of reputable scientists believe some UFO sightings could be legitimate mysteries that can't be explained with current terrestrial technology or dismiss as tricks of light shooting stars or solar flares. So if they're not from another alien world and they're not explained by anything on our world, they must be from the future, right? It's actually not quite as far-fetched as it sounds. The gist of the theory is that there appears to be a lot of evidence for UFOs, but absolutely none for aliens. Numerous experts have posited aliens as an explanation for, myst for mysteries we have no current empirical explanation for. Proponents of these ideas often claim that aliens visited the Earth long ago in our history, but all they've had to offer is thought experiments. Masters takes on the alien hypothesis in his recently released book, Identifying Flying Objects, Multidisciplinary Scientific Approach to the UFO Phenomenon. Speaking with Space.com's Leonard David, he said, We know we're here. We know humans exist. We know that we had a long evolutionary history on this planet, and we know our technology is going to be more advanced in the future. I think the simplest explanation in innately is that it is us. I'm just trying to offer what is likely the most parsimonious explanation. So I'm going to dissect this a little bit. As much as I'm following this future thread, I think there's just some broad, dangerous assumptions that are made there. Not impossible. I mean, I, I just spent all this time talking about future, future, future. But uh, here's my question. Number one, he's assuming that we're going to be more technologically advanced. That's assuming that we continue to evolve technologically. How do we know that we're not going to have some failure, some change, some shift in our routine that prevents us from evolving any further technologically than we already have. There's that unknown right there. And I'm, I'm sure he, he's thought about that. But maybe on our current path, yes, it's, it's highly possible. But I don't think that we can... I think that there is evidence for alien life. I think that when you look at some of the moon stuff, some of the remote viewing data coming from the moon, some of the, the scrubbed NASA photos, and some Mars stuff, I think there's good information. And even on Venus, there's... Uh, I think there's information worth taking pause on right now that there is alien life that may even be existing within our own solar system. And I think we're going to find that soon. So I think that would change this possibility. We just don't understand the physics of space travel, how a being from another planet could go from one planet to here. We don't understand that technology yet. So... By saying it's possible for time travel, I think it's also the same as saying it's possible for some kind of warp speed or teleportation instantaneous travel. We don't know that yet because we don't understand space-time to that extent from our perspective. Anyway, I think it's an interesting article. I think it's interesting now that it's putting a possibility that they are from the future. We have been seeing a growing body of evidence just beneath the surface that this may in fact be the case. All right. Speaking of aliens and UFOs, this comes to us from Business Insider. Elon Musk says he plans to send 1 million people to Mars by 2050, that's 30 years away, by launching three Starship rockets every day and creating a lot of jobs on the Red Planet. All right, I'm going to share this, but here, he recently shared details on Twitter about his plans to send... 1 million people to Mars by 2050. The SpaceX founder said there would be a lot of jobs in the city he hopes to build on Mars. 
Musk said he planned to build a fleet of 1,000 starships, a 387-foot rocket ship that SpaceX is developing for deep space travel, and launch three of them each day. All right, that's a huge statement by Elon Musk. But when he says that, that's something that uh, I would consider strongly as a real possibility. Now, you look at secret space program stuff, they'll tell you we're already on Mars as it stands right now. But think about the amount of work, think about the amount of jobs that have to be created to, to build that many starships to be making those frequent trips back and forth to Mars to transport a million people plus resources and supplies. Now, I wonder, I wonder, are we looking at an aspect of problem, reaction, solution? There are some problems being created on this planet. We have plagues, we have fires, we have, uh, I'm sorry, I'm saying plagues already. We have viruses right now with the coronavirus. We have the Australian fires. We've had a lot of earthquakes popping up, and uh, I think they're going to continue. Volcanoes, some volcanoes have been erupting. Are we seeing an activation in uh, the Ring of Fire right now? Ben Davidson from Suspicious Observers put out a video last week talking about a pending alignment that is coming in August of 2020, this summer. And he says that alignment, based on historical historical studies, has shown it to be a time of some significant challenges to the Earth. And he went into explaining the reasons why, which are far beyond me. So I will have the link to that for you to listen to and draw your own conclusions. It's only about seven, eight minutes long. Um, I've been looking at in, in working with crypto viewing and in talking to um, Adapt 2030 and Ben Davidson's work. It looks like 2020 might be a year. Could be a year where we're going through some significant transition. And with transition could come some destruction of the old to make way for the birth of the new. That can be a scary statement. And I'm not going to lie, it does scare me, that thought. But we have some choices to make. We can choose to panic. We can choose to have fear-based reactions. We can choose to do nothing and say, screw it, and just make the most of it and party our asses off like it's 1999 throwback to Prince there. Um, we can prep and spend our the, the remaining time we have in this normalcy of society prepping. It may Then the change may happen, it may not. Or we can do a combination. We can live our life, but at the same time, develop a mindset of thriving. Develop a mindset of when the bad, if the bad stuff happens, I will react accordingly and still find a way to make the most out of this life, even if I have moments of seeing some horrible stuff. Puerto Rico's in it right now with the earthquakes that they suffered. I know they're, they're struggling again. They just seem to keep getting hammered. Can we still find a way to thrive in those situations? Because not everybody will. Some people, they're going to be, they're going to lose loved ones. They're going to lose homes. They're going to lose valuables. They're going to lose money. It's going to be hard. But it's all a mindset. I think back to when I was in the military. I think back to before I had kids. And I would think of scenarios like that. And in my mind, I'm saying, man, that, that, that sounds like an adventure. Not that I want that stuff to happen. But I had this adventure 
mindset of like, all right, this is the ultimate challenge. How am I going to do? And with that mindset, when you look at it as an adventure and as a challenge, as opposed to why has this happened to me? Oh my gosh, this is so bad. I'm not downplaying how bad things are, but I think it changes our approach and our ability to handle it and process it. So what do we do? All right, I don't know. I guess my point is there's there's a lot of scary stuff that's being thrown at us right now. And um, what do we do? What do we do with that? How do we process that? Uh, you know, in, in looking at the coronavirus, you know, we keep getting the updates of how fast it's spreading, where it's spreading to. And right now, I think it's... I think it's scary. It It is concerning in, in seeing it, but part of that is because we keep getting hit with uh, all this scary information. Now, I'll get into some of that in a minute, but what concerns me is this. Within a day or two of the virus, news of the virus breaking, that there was quarantines and stuff happening, I turned on Netflix, and right at the top of my feed, they had the preview, you know, whatever they had just released, and it was a documentary about the next pandemic and there was a guy on there saying we're overdue for a pandemic it's going to happen again and i'm thinking to myself what are what is the chances of that that being timed that when this chinese virus comes out within a day or two my netflix feed pops up with a pandemic documentary talking about how well we are due for one in the world so that concerns me tremendously because that's the line that, that, think about it. I mean, it takes at least a couple months to make a documentary, if not longer. So this thing has, has already been made. It's already been produced. So that, does that mean that somebody had advanced knowledge this was coming? Again, I don't want to feed into some of the conspiracy theories that were out there. I know there's something going around about a patent. I'll address that in a minute. But I... Uh, I, I, I don't want to feed into it, but I also want us to take pause that I, that I think it's possible that there was advanced knowledge of this and somebody, for whatever reason, is trying to scare that up. Now, is that the simple reason of, well, Big Pharma wants to sell vaccines and more medication? I, I don't I don't know that that's true. Um, we can speculate, because, but, but what evidence do we have of that? Right now, I have none because it's also too soon. But anyway, that was released, and that was concerning to me. Then there's this study that comes out that, again, uh, this was dated January 23rd, so pretty close after the, the news of this virus was out. From, again, Business Insider, health experts issued an ominous warning about a coronavirus pandemic, there's that word again, three months ago. Their simulation showed it could kill 65 million people. Okay? So, a coronavirus that originated in Wuhan, China has killed 18... Oh, these are other headlines. I'm sorry. Um, to scare you up. But basically, they ran a simulation three months ago, back in, I think, October. Um, and they ended up getting these numbers that over 18... A period of 18 months, this virus could wipe out 65 million people worldwide. Now, their simulation started in Brazil. And it was, uh, you know, also through animals. Now, let's be clear. The coronavirus is not just this one virus. It is a type of virus. It is a strain of viruses. And that ties into the patent that we're, that people are finding online. Um, 
So you hear coronavirus, it doesn't mean that there's only one coronavirus. There's, it, it's the description, like SARS was a coronavirus. Coronavirus can be something as simple, I believe, as the, like the common cold as well. But it's odd that they happen to pick coronavirus and not the flu uh, as, as being this dangerous. And it was only three months ago. Now, this reminds me of those, what they call the false flag events, where they have a training event going on at the same day that there's a terrorist attack. Are we looking at a similar plan or playbook here? I don't know. Um, if something is a, quote, false flag, if something is a planned event for a planned, you know, mass casualty type of event, does that mean it's still not dangerous? Well, no. People died in 9-11. People died at the Boston bombing. People die in these events all the time. So we see these what people label as false flags. People still die. It still becomes dangerous. The challenge is... In the aftermath, it's that event that then leads to the political or social or, uh, you know, other uh, infrastructure changes that then come as a result of that. So whether it's a planned event, a false flag or not, I think to some extent is irrelevant in the moment. What's What we need to evaluate is, is this real? And how, what measures do I need to take to protect myself and my family? I don't have those answers. I'm not going to lead you down a, a, a false rabbit trail here because I'm not an expert. And most of the people on the internet aren't the experts. The problem is most of us, if you're listening to this show, don't have a whole lot of faith in our governments and the CDC and these experts that come on there trying to prepare us. What I do think is valuable is having a strong, healthy immune system. Although I did just read a study about people receiving the flu, uh, getting the flu with strong immune systems aren't doing well because they don't have any preconditioned viral responses. It was a pro article towards vaccines, making sure you have your, you know, your titers up in preparation to fight off a, a flu-like virus. Anyway, I, I I don't know. This is this is the problem with the false news, with the fake. You're like probably like Dennis, shut up, man. You know you're just confusing the hell out of us. But that's, that, that's how I feel as a consumer of information. I read one thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, let's use vaccines. Vaccines are bad. I read another thing, it's like, nope, vaccines are good. Then you meet in the middle, like, well, they're bad and they're good. You just don't know. It's hard. It's hard to know where to start. But I think ultimately. If you can, if you can step back from the emotional fear that we have at this, follow your gut. If you think things are bad and you need to remove yourself from situations and not go to social settings for a while, then don't go. If you think that you need to up your your health food intake, boost your immune system, I don't see any harm that can come from increasing your immune system. But I think the real question that we're wondering here is if the virus gets that bad. And the government comes out and says, we have a vaccine. Are you going to take it? That's the question. And that is where I would focus my research right now. In understanding, learn to understand what this virus is, how it affects the body. What a general coronavirus does and how this one is different. But how does it affect the body? How does the body fight it off? And then maybe you can make a decision as to if you're going to, number one, trust that this vaccine is going to be beneficial and help you. Uh, and if you're going to take it, I'm not going to sit here on my show and say, don't get a vaccine. Okay. I, I, I believe, I believe this 
government that has has a nefarious intent behind it sometimes. But I also believe that there are people who work for the system who are good people that may sometimes be misguided but also have good intentions. Which complicates things even more, doesn't it? So, I, I don't have an answer for you, my friends. Uh, I'm really just expressing my frustrations and confusion over if there's a worst-case scenario, what do we do? Now, what's scary about this, if you're seeing the leaked, let's say, quote, leaked videos coming out of China. Now, China's got their internet locked down pretty tight, so I wonder, is this actually leaked footage, or are we looking at some kind of propaganda? Could this, a lot of this, be some kind of disinformation? I don't know. I don't know anybody credible right now that's on the ground in China that can give us accurate information. So what we're hearing is this is rumored from a nurse that actually it's 100,000 people that are infected. You know, you see the footage of the hospital, but how do we know that the footage you're seeing out of the hospital is in fact uh, from this virus? How do we know that the video of the pe the videos of the people that are dropping over in the streets are related to this virus? How do we know they're not intoxicated? How do we know they're not drugged? How do we know this isn't something else, just old stock footage that people are pulling out? I don't know at this point. I don't know, and neither do we, but this is what we, these are the questions we need to ask before we panic and freak out. Now, I am hearing that this virus has a longer incubation period, and people are contagious while it's incubating before symptoms present themselves. Now, that's scary, which means healthy people could be, healthy appearing people can be walking around interacting with you right now and spreading the virus. And if that's the case, we are, we're behind the curve. We are way behind the curve. We've got cases popping up in the U.S. right now. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to sound scary. These are things we need to think about. This may already be out. What's your plan? Worst case scenario, you and your family get sick. What are you going to do? Are you going to go to the hospital? Are you going to stay home and fight it out? Are you going to use your home remedies? Are you going to pray? Are you going to use energy healing? A combination of those things? This may not be a bad thought exercise to have without panicking. Write it down. Write down your worst case scenario and prepare. What are you going to do if you end up sick with your family? Learn about the virus, but don't overwhelm yourself with fear because that fear is what will drive you like cattle. If, worst case scenario, this is a planned event for a certain specific reason and you don't want to be a part of that, uh, a victim of that, then run the thought exercise now. And don't be like the cattle. Now, that doesn't mean don't go to the hospital. That may be your best bet. I don't, I don't know. And Dennis, you know, you shouldn't be telling people that you need to make a decision for you and your family and not worry about the judgment you'll get from other people for the choice you made. Make the best decision you can with the information you have. Now, right now you have time and time is on your side. We don't have a lot of time, but you have some time to do some research and to learn about this. Be careful not to get sucked into the fear porn. And that includes the stuff the mainstream media is putting out. Be very careful about that. All right. But don't be afraid to take action that you need to take in this in this event if, if things get worse. All right. All right. Speaking of which, uh, Edward Reardon had a uh, had an ominous feeling 
This was in 2017, and that's a fascinating video. And he was basically, you know, I'm going to play a, a little bit of this, um, you know, and I'll link to it. I just want to give a teaser so you can go watch his video. It's just a six-minute update, basically, of, of what he's saying. But here's here's Edward. And a, uh, like a signal went through went through my whole being, like a like an emergency broadcast just shot through me. And I had this really, really bizarre feeling. And so I didn't want to just let it go. I decided to remote view it. What was the source of this? What was this all about? And I did, I don't know, five or six sessions on it. And this is the first one here. These Again, the, all these videos are up. Uh, you could probably just YouTube remote viewing my ominous feeling or just look through my stuff back in the 2017 this was three years ago and i felt like a virus um the signal that and i go into that in the sessions too was like a an emergency signal going out being broadcast and I perceived it, I felt it going through my body, like a, war like a warning, you know, like if somebody were to send out a warning signal, I'm talking like a, like a technology signal, they broadcast it over, over the airways or some frequency or whatever, and I, and I felt it. And All right, I'm going to leave that teaser there. I, I invite you to go listen to... Uh... The rest of that and then look at his videos his ominous feeling on that um edward is very sensitive to things that are being put out in the psychic ether and, and he thinks there was a technology connection to that and again it it i think it ties into our, our conversations that we've been having about ai human consciousness or, or how entwined are we with technology already in this present timeline and in the future timeline or in a future um and where is he getting this signal from and why why is he getting it does that have value or is this data always out there and he has just tuned his perception to grab these alerts as they come through now what's interesting is that uh, greg braden i know covered this in one of his talks there's some kind of markers that were put out that measures human energetics i i don't i can't talk intelligently on it yet but look this up you, you can find it and before 9-11 right before 9-11 there was a huge spike in this almost as like a psychic anticipation of this major event that was coming it was it was uh was it clinically significant the data was was telling that right before 9-11 happened there was this giant spike like the world psychically was anticipating it so do these signals go out that give us a warning that something's happening now in going back to one of courtney brown's books he talked about a, a death event that was happening and he looked at what he called subspace which is kind of like uh, maybe the astral plane i guess the equivalent of and in subspace he said there was a lot of preparations being made for the, the for these souls that were going to be coming over so is that a possibility that there's stuff going on in other realms other dimensions of our existence that are preparing for it and that happens to send out a signal that those who are sensitive to those signals can detect 
Or are those signals sent out as a genuine warning because there's a possibility that some of us can do something to change things or protect ourselves and the ones that we care about? My hope is that there's stuff that we can do. I I don't think panic is going to help anybody whatsoever with that. Um, I I got more questions than I have answers, and and I'm sorry about that, but uh, I I think the answer I have here is is our mindset is key. And it was... uh, David Dubine, Adapt 2030, and, and he said, and Ben Davidson, I'm sorry, I think it was Ben Davidson. David puts this out as well. Being mentally prepared is huge. That's more than half the battle. Having the knowledge, having the training, having the skill set, knowing what to do if something happens. And you may say, oh, I, I'd know what to do. You know, I have practice. I've, but when someone you care about falls ill and you recognize this could be it, the actions I make right now are going to be either life and death for that person, or you may need to recognize that the actions you take, that person might be gone. And the actions you take might mean the life and death of the other people you care about. Sounds like a horrible thing to talk about, I know. But wouldn't you rather have that, some of that shock run through your system now as you prepare for something like that, as opposed to having a moment of panic when you need to be calm and focused. And again, I'm not telling you freak out. I'm trying to help you come up with a plan for the opposite of freaking out. I don't know how well I'm doing with that right now, but that's kind of where my my head's at. And, and again, if you heard screaming in the background as I'm doing this, my apologies. I'm home. My kids are, uh, I'm doing a daytime show right now. My kids are in the other room and they're, uh, the two-year-old was trying to steal Legos from my seven-year-old. So that was a fun little argument they just had. So forgive the screaming. There's no ghosts in the background or anything. That's my kids running around as I talk about this doom and gloom stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that Edward foresaw this. Um, you know, hey, let's bring it back to Terminator, you, you know. Um, they kept trying to change the future, but no matter what they did, bad stuff kept happening. Why would we get this information then? Is it designed just for certain people? Because certain people are supposed to survive through things? Are we that significant? Or do we all have the power collectively to choose our future, to write our future? Is that our hidden power as human beings? There's so many things to consider. So much we don't know. So please don't be limited by what science tells us is possible. There's so much we don't know. There's so much about our own power and potential that we just don't understand yet. So I think what I'm saying is we need to find our own way. And my way may be different from your way. And that's okay. I wish I had more solid answers. Uh, What I don't want to do is just scare the heck out of you and tell you go out and buy you know i, I was looking at uh, infowars and as their coverage of this they have a half page ad pop up of you know immune system boost supplements i mean come on i'm reading between the lines there I'm not saying that stuff is bad we want to we want to prepare our immune systems uh for sure that's always a good practice anyway i'm rambling now guys that's my thoughts i wanted to address those things um good luck to all of us i guess is is what i want to say let me hear your thoughts bring me some clarity on this because i'm uh, i'm confused not exactly sure you know where we're going with this 
I'm going to load this to, uh, to YouTube, shifting gears here. Uh, I've been building up the YouTube channel and uh, playing, putting my archived stuff up on YouTube. And I've been getting some good traction, some good comments. So thank you to everybody that's been participating, liking, subscribing, and commenting on that. I've been enjoying the feedback I've been getting from all of you. This one, I think I'm going to post out of order just because it's timely and put that up right away as opposed to just following the order of my archived podcast. So this will be up on YouTube this week as well. So uh, that's it, my friends. I'm going to end it here. I'll have these links in the uh, show notes for you to review. Uh, and and think about and ponder. Let me know your thoughts. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the secret newsletter and you'll get access to read I Am Human and We're Not Who We Think We Are for free. And that book, I think, gives us a good start in understanding the mindset that I think is necessary in looking at the bigger picture here. Who are we and how do we fit into this food chain? How do we fit into this greater universe, this power structure, we are not at the top. And it starts to explain that. And I think it's important to have that humility as we make our decisions moving forward. And of course, that's the precursor to I Am Human Food for the Archons. That's available on Amazon. I highly encourage you to read it. It goes into greater detail. And I think it gives us some mental tools to really put us in a good position to at least better navigate what's happening. I look at the news in a whole different way right now because of writing that book. And I think you can gain that insight and perspective from reading it all right my friends that's all the time i have i'm dennis nappy the second this has been another episode of the seeker podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world i encourage you to be that change never stop questioning keep an open mind and let your intuition be your guide thanks for listening (laughs) Oh, my God.